Collections by Michelle Brown Blog Radio. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. This is a podcast that connects people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change. Since 2017, we've shared the stories of over 100 individuals from every walk of life from across the country and beyond. Collections by Michelle Brown Blog Radio partners with nonprofits, creatives, and other organizations to spread the good news that we're all stronger together. Our current partner is the Esteem Awards Pride Index. Founded by Phil Esteem, the Esteem Awards is a 501c3 organization dedicated to promoting positive images of LGBTQ communities and our allies. Since 2007, the Esteem Award has honored over 300 local and national organizations and individuals for their continued efforts in supporting the areas of entertainment, media, civil rights, social services, businesses, and the arts. Prideindex.com is an entertainment and information resource portal for the Esteem Awards. Karen Kendra Holmes has been showing up and making a difference in her community, not just as a member of a transgender community, but most of her life, wherever she stood. Being a service to others is just what she does. We're not speaking publicly. Karen continues working with local police departments, helping to bring dignity and respect to police interactions with members of the transgender community. She's been recognized twice as Soldier of the Year by the State Guard Association of the United States and the Maryland State Guard Association. This award-winning public servant and advocate shared her passion for helping others and during transition and to foster acceptance and support from those around them in a 2018 TEDx talk. She's been doing volunteer work in Maryland and with the Maryland Defense Force, and the American Red Cross for the National Capital Region, and has been volunteering with Community Emergency Response Team in Prince George's country, County, Maryland. Kendra, Karen Kendra Holmes has been a guest before, talking about veterans and transgender issues, but it's been a minute since we've caught up with her, so we thought it was time to circle back and see what this phenomenal sister is up to for 2024 and beyond. Karen, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing great, Michelle. And thank you for having me on your show again. It's been awesome. And um, wow, since the last time we've talked, I mean, there has been a lot of change in my life socially and work-wise and military-wise. It's just, I never picture myself in this role right now I've always thought you know once I transition from Karen you know to Karen um, it's like I just wanted to live a normal life and uh, you know back then when God placed it on my heart like it's not about you I felt him tell me it's about helping others in the community Um, and so ever since 2012 uh, that's exactly what I've been doing uh, speaking at conferences, speaking around the country at conferences and, and events. And then, of course, three years ago, 
I partnered up uh, with DOJ uh, slash CRS, which is Community Relations and Services, and I've uh, been speaking with law enforcement officers, um, training them, getting them to understand the community, and letting them know that, you know, bridging that gap between the trans community and law enforcement, and just letting them know um, we're not what you see on Jerry Springer show. <laughs> you know, we are doing great things out there. Um, you know, some of our trans people are police officers, firefighters, military, doctors, nurses, judges, lawyers, politicians, and the list just continues to go on. And that's what I'm trying to uh, let law enforcement understand that. And then also trying to let the trans community understand what law enforcement goes through. So if I can get the, both sides to understand, and then when it ends up there meeting each other, then they will respect each other. You know, I mean, it's funny, you know, that it's, you know, you're doing a lot of the same work. And, you know, we've had, like you said, we've had so many advances. And you see so many people in the trans community, I mean, who are out living their life, like you said, they're in politics, they're police officers, they're everywhere. And, you know, not silent, and we're just living it. But you still have this this horrible backlash where many in the trans community are still under such attack. Did you, did you, is it getting better? Do you see it getting better? And, you know, how do you feel when you see, and especially like this latest thing where, um, you know, and they, they've sort of tried to attack the transgender community by going through the drag community. I mean, how do you, how do you combat this? Is that like something you have to go in and immediately start the conversation all over again? But kind of, and also educating, you know, people in general in the cisgender community, as well as definitely law enforcement, because that's, you know, primarily the training I do, is letting them understand that being transgender, that word transgender is an umbrella. And under that umbrella, you have drag queens, cross-dressers, you've got, uh, you know, the, the spectrum just continues on down the road. And so that's, get, that's what's trying to get them to understand that, you know, when you say the word transgender, we don't know for sure if it's somebody that's really in the community as like myself who's, um, uh, how do I, 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 you know, I say I'm a woman now, you know, but I am a trans woman and one that transitioned um, and that is fully in the growth of being a woman 24-7, you know. Um, it's not something that's a weekend thing or a monthly thing or a yearly thing, which is some of what the cross-dressers are doing, but you can't take that away from them because it's possible that they can't uh, live a life like I'm living because of their, they're either married or they have children or et cetera. It was funny, a uh, couple of weeks ago, I was thinking, I said, you know, what if I had children? You know, how would that have been, you know, on my life? I mean, I, I had stepchildren, but not any of my, you know, birth, blood, you know, uh, children. So I just don't know. But, you know, educating people to understand that we are who we are um, and we want to be happy. You know, we transition to be happy. And because the way society treats us, we end up, 
of course, committing suicide because we, you know, people just won't let us be happy. <laughs> and of course, you know, in our community, um, we have the highest suicide rate out of everybody. You know, 41% is high. Mm-hmm. Who is, is it easier to make inroads with, you know, getting police and people to understand about transgender community or getting it's particularly young transgender people to to trust police because you know I mean there's always those bad apples who you know and those are the ones who you see and you hear about and I mean I know some some young trans people who I know who like you know uh, if they had a program and one of the people who is the LGBTQ liaison to the police department and when she came in. They got up and left just because she was a police person. She said, you know, part of her job is to bridge this gap to understand. But it was mm-hmm. like, you know, like, you're a cop, I'm gone. Is it, right. is it difficult working with members of, of LGBTQ and particularly trans youth to get them to, you know, everybody take a step closer to each other to understand? Yeah, and that's exactly it, you know, and... The nice thing about it with this program that DOJ has put together with CRS is the fact that, you know, I'm getting to educate them on how the community is to get involved with the community, to to let them understand, you know, when a trans person meets a law enforcement person, they are, they're um, scared because of maybe what they've been, how they've been treated or their friends have been treated. And so that's what I'm trying to get, you know, law enforcement to not do um, is just to be there, to um, to be part of the community, to understand. Like um, three years ago, um, I started doing ride-alongs with Prince George's County Police um, because there were a couple of girls in 2019 that had gotten murdered in the Fairmont Heights of Maryland. And... Um, the, and the commander said, look, I am tired of having my officers push the girls across the street into D.C. D.C. comes along and pushes the girls back over to Maryland. And she asked if there was anything I would like to do to help. And I said, absolutely, let me give it a shot. And so I started riding around with the police on a ride-along until COVID hit, of course. Um, and when we saw some of the girls there, I would get out of the cruiser and go over and talk to the girls and say, hey, look, is there anything we can do to help get off the street? Well, I'm talking with them. They're telling me why they're out there. It's called survival sex. It's not because they love it, although I can't honestly say that 100% of the time because I was a couple of girls who said they they're out there because they just love doing it. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> but the, okay. Yeah. But the majority of them said, hey, I need food on my table. I need a place to lay my head at at night. I need a job. And so um, I got together what is called the Prince George's County Memorial Library System, uh, partnered with them, and it's the Prince George's County Transgender Coalition. And so we had some organizations all come together, and we said, look, this is what we want to try to do help them do resume building across the table from each other, uh, role play, help them with resumes, 
uh, Dress for Success, and a lot of people really said, I want to get a hold of this. I want to help out, you know, on all of those different categories. And so um, I just felt God placed it on my heart. We could take this thing national because everybody says, I want to help. I want to do something to help the trans community in getting a job, helping them with resumes and so on. And so that's what we've been doing. Um, I actually, um, through the help of, because I'm a part of the Women's Veterans United Committee Incorporated, um, they are a good sponsor for me. And what I started was, uh, it's called the Butterfly Project, where we are actually trying to help the trans community with the resume building, the role playing, dress for success, GED programs free uh, meals and stuff like that. So um, the saddest thing, um, I had something go on last last year at Busboy and Poet in Tacoma Park, Maryland, and I only had a couple of trans people that showed up, and I had mostly, you know, um, government officials, friends that I knew, neighbors that I knew, and I was really, really hurt that the trans community really come out to take a part of this program and we had book bags for them that was filled with personal uh, products and stuff like that and I'm like this would have been great for them but you know um, I don't know what it is you know it's the trans community why they don't feel like they should take part in something that's going to help them or others so and with that good it's funny because, you know, um, now here in Michigan, they had a, a thing, and I found a crazy called it, the first year they called it a day of empowerment. And what was interesting was, like, members of the white transgender community came. Very few members of the black transgender community came. And it's changed since then. But many of them felt, you know, like they said, well, they didn't know if these people were for real or were they going to be looking down on them. Or, you know, the fact that they had been like, some of them were sex workers, and mm-hmm. that they didn't understand that they really wanted, you know, they were interested in doing this thing to make a change. And, you know, I mean, I think that that's sort of, of, of sad, you know, that you feel, you let that fear of being judged, you know. Right. For making this opportunity. But that, but that is real, because some people do want to, you know, judge you. You know, you hope not, but it, it does happen. Right. And I know my director, uh, Dr. Joanne Fisher, uh, she's the uh, CEO and director um, of the Women's Veterans United Committee Incorporated. Um, she's helping me. She's getting me more involved. She wants me to, you know, really do my own thing out there with the Butterfly Project um, and not so much wanting to lean on other organizations that are out there. But I always feel like, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know, and I want to get the other organizations involved because I don't think this is a a Karen Kendra Holmes thing. This is a, a something that's going to help, you know, everybody. So, um, and even like I was thinking as far as with the Butterfly Project, you know, I don't, I, like I said, I want to take this thing nationally and I don't know every organization or leaders in other states and the thing is I'm trying to um, help 
them in other states get leaders to say, hey, look, this is the cookie cutter that we've got here in our in our state, and you we want you to run this organization thing through your um, through your state, and so that's what's going on right now. So. You know, it makes sense, too, because, like you said, you got the cookie cutter. But what uh-huh. works where you are in another place might not totally work, but it could work. But these people who are already on the ground, they are doing it. If they partnered and collaborated with you, they could, like, make it, tweak it so it was their own and working there. But they didn't have to do that basic work that you've already done. So that makes exactly. perfect sense, you know. Yeah. And that's what I'm hoping is going to happen. Um, I would love to see that happen because, you know, it's like, hey, to this organization that's in, let's say, New York, hey, this is what we've done here. This is the program that we have done with the Butterfly Project. We want you to set up something similar just like this. You run it. Just report back to us the uh, stuff that's going on out there. So how did you come up with the name of the Butterfly Project, and what is your ultimate mission and vision for it? Um, it was a collaboration of myself, and uh, at the event that I was speaking at a reef uh, laying uh, for a couple of the girls that had gotten murdered in, in Fairmont Heights, the uh, owner, um, I shouldn't say the owner, the couple of the librarians, had been at the event, and they are hearing what I'm talking about as far as helping, and they know that uh, Butterfly happens to be my personal logo on my website and on my business cards, and they said, let's call it the Butterfly Project, and they parted up with me, and that's how we uh, got all started with it. Mm-hmm. And um, the whole deal is, like I said, we want to be able to help other trans people out there um, to get off the streets. You know, if I can also tag in with some owners, um, like doctors and stuff, it's like getting these girls to be able to to, uh, get blood work done, you know, so that that way they uh, um, are getting the right medications instead of getting stuff off the Internet. I don't want to have these girls not taking care of themselves the the right way, and that's what we're trying to do. Now, you are in some ways, I mean, do do people, you know, like you said, you're living your life. You're, you're mm-hmm. often people talk about life, particularly for trans women, like, oh, they die young. But you're, you know, you're still young. But you're not like 20, 30 young. Do you ever have like young trans women like come in and, and go like, wow, how did you do it? How are you living like this? You know, and, it, and or, or even or the other way is like, as an inspiration to them, like, hey, you can live a full, happy life, be of service to your community, accomplishing. I mean, you've done so much. You are, you've done a TED Talk. I mean, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm very interested in that. You've done a TED Talk. But here you are living your truth. You're Karen Kendra Holmes. And, you know, and I know that many people feel the need to put, oh, well, she's a trans woman, but you're a woman. You, that's who you always knew you were. You took the steps to to live fully, to be that butterfly. You came out of that cocoon that you were in to spread your wings as this beautiful butterfly. Do you, do you see yourself sometimes 
as a role model or to somebody say, hey, look at me. You can do this too. Mm-hmm. Well, I used to think that way at first until I really got to understand the trans women and men that are out there doing sex work. And it's like, okay, everybody doesn't have a family that's very supportive like I have. Uh, you would like to see that they do, but, you know, we have this thing that's called uh, couch surfing. You know, a lot of the trans people, young trans people are going from house to house sleeping on somebody's sofa because their parents kicked them out. I've had people on Facebook tell me, oh, you know what, if my child ever uh, was, you know, part of the LGBT community, I would kill them. And I'm like, are you serious that I'm I'm hearing this? And it's heartening. Um, And I've actually have spoken at, there was a conference a couple years ago in Maryland where uh, several area um, high schools came to this conference. So that day I got to speak to two sessions, one with the teachers and the parents of these kids. And then this second one was with the kids only um, setting. And the great thing about with the parents, you know, I think it starts there. You know, they learn what they learn from their parents and and the teachers, and the teachers got to be very supportive of what negative stuff that their their student is hearing from their parents. And so that's 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 the problem. So uh, me talking to that group, the parents and the teachers, they got to understand and hear where I'm coming from, and they got to see what I'm doing in life today and and the support I'm getting from my parents. The interesting thing is um, I just, you know, I laid it down, you know, um, and it was so funny because the session was supposed to be only an hour, <laughs> and next thing I know, they're rushing me out of the session with the parents and the teachers because I had to get to another one. And it's, uh, you know, just very, very hard to um, to know that, you know. So, uh, yeah. Do the parents, what kind, I mean, do you get questions from parents? I mean, does it like maybe help some of them think about how they're dealing with their kids when they meet you? And hear your story and also see you, you know, hear you are this, this accomplished woman who's talking to them about their kids. Yeah. I mean, you know, some have, you know, said, oh, wow. Um, I, I, you know, they'll come out, you know, I've done some things with uh, government um, employees and stuff like that, and they're like, you know, they're there for the session, but next thing you know, they're opening up to me saying, I've got a trans child, or I've got a um, a trans grandchild or something, and they hear my story, and they're going, wow, if I can do all that, then I should be okay to understand my child and be able to uh, accept them. Um, I know one thing that they are very, very concerned and worried about is the fact that you know, their child's safety. And I had the same issue with my mom when I first transitioned. She was very worried about the fact that, um, you know, I might get hurt out there, you know. And obviously that is a big concern in the trans community. And, and even when I transitioned, that was one of the issues I thought about, you know, what am I going to do if I'm confronted or somebody, you know, um, 
is negative towards me. And I try to tell the, the young folks not to get too aggressive, like, you know, because I, I've heard some of them go, well, they're going to have to call me, you know, by my trans name or something or, and not use my dead name or use the proper pronouns. They're being very aggressive in saying that. And it's, it's the same way with uh, their parents or their teachers and stuff. And so I'm trying to get them to understand don't be that way. Try to do it in a loving way that you're – and that's how I do it, which is drawing people towards me, not push people away. Um, at my church, um, it's really interesting. I, I got people at my church, which is they do accept um, – the LGBT community, but mostly they are in their, we'll say, 70s and 80s, and they love me to death. If I'm not there, they're asking me why the next week when I come <laughs> to church. Um, what happened? Are you okay? If I have a special prayer that I need prayers for, you know, and my safety, they're praying for me, and I know they're praying for me. Um, and I even remember one time uh, when I was um, out and about with the uh, police on the ride along, one of the officers told me, do you remember the last time we were out? And I go, yeah. He says, uh, one of the girls that you were talking to, another girl was signaling her to come on right away. And it was because her pimp was in the area. And I'm like, oh, really? I didn't know that trans women had pimps, you know, but obviously they did. <laughs> um <laughs> And and then he also said in that same week there was a shooting down the street, um, and I'm like, wow. So the that Sunday when I went into church, I just you know doing prayer and praise time. I said, just keep me in prayer that I can uh, you know save up some money so I can get myself a bulletproof vest so when I'm out and about on the streets I'm okay. And at the end of uh, service that day. A lady came up to me and gave me something in my hand. I knew it was money. I just didn't know how much it was until I got home. Um, and then two days later, uh, our church has an LGBT uh, task force at our church, and the lady in charge of it, the president, she goes, how much does a, a bulletproof vest cost? And I said, oh, I'm looking at anywhere from five to six hundred dollars and I said I've even seen some up there at twelve hundred dollars and I said the one I'm really looking at is a level three uh, bulletproof vest and that's around six hundred dollars and she goes well the group wants to donate five hundred dollars towards your effort to get a vest and I'm like are you serious and wow. next thing you know, I talked to somebody from uh, another group and they said you know what Ranger Surplus has bulletproof vest up there and I'm like are you serious I said I, I mean I'm up there every month you know buying supplies and I just never paid any attention to that and when I called they said uh the surplus they said yeah we've got the level three that you're looking for at three hundred dollars <laughs> so I'm like wow uh -huh. you know so not only did I get blessed but the church got blessed you know for giving me the money and not having to spend the entire five hundred dollars they were going to donate to me and I mean, you know, that, that's sort of really, you know, there, there, like how you said, how you don't have to be all in people's face, but there's things that you do, and as you talk about it, that brings awareness. I imagine that many of them, first of all, didn't think of the danger that's out there 
or the importance, it made them think about the importance of the work you were doing, but even a danger to where they were able to, you know, you humanize things. You sort of bring it down to that level to where it's like, you know, what's she, what's she doing? No, and you show up. You're always there. You know that there might be somebody sitting in one of them pews who isn't 100%, but after a while, you know, they're going to say, these people care about her. These people do this. You know, I need to get with the program. And, you know, right. I've seen so many times where, you know, someone will go like, I've been to a thing where once someone said, you know, they were talking about something, someone was talking about, you know, the gays and we don't want them in our neighborhood. And this lady said, she said, look, I know her and that one and that one. And she said, they came over one day and helped us clean up our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. said, I know all about what they do at home. That's not my business. I right. know the people. And that's what, like you said, you know, you've always been in service. You've always been doing it. And you keep showing up and not yeah. in an aggressive way like, I'm here and y'all going to recognize me. You show up as Karen Kendra Holmes. And you yeah. bring up something. You know, you give prayer and you ask for prayer. And that says a lot. Yeah. And, and it's funny because, I mean, in the church I go to, actually I go to two churches, but the the one that's been very, very supportive is Rockville United Church. And then the other church I go to, which is interesting how that started. Um, and I go to two churches. Um, that one, this, the first one starts at 915. So I just happen to be driving by on the main road and I saw the sign saying, you know, this church was over this way, which is uh, Greater Grace Community Church and in Silver Spring. So I go down there and I'm I'm trying to stick my head out the, the window so I can hear what kind of music they're playing because I'm, I love charismatic, you know, uh, music. And so finally I got to see one of the pastors and another gentleman who came out because they saw me driving through the parking lot. And next thing I know, I started going because I like the music and stuff. And later, me and the senior pastor had a little chat, you know, about myself. And uh, they have two different – they see two different views, but what they're seeing is me there every week, just about unless I've got military drill, they see me every week showing up and praising God and being there, and I'm being my my true self. And the thing is, they're very much, uh, you know, I wouldn't say totally 100% to- supportive. Um, I haven't really gotten deep in with the pastor, but, I mean, the senior pastor comes up, gives me hugs, um, says how things going, you know, and, and it's gotten to that kind of relationship. So I feel like, Okay, they're getting to know who Karen is, and I'm I'm really putting forth that effort to say, yes, we are just as normal as everybody else out there. Mhm, mhm, mhm. You know, there's so many little things I know, but I have found that if I'm looking at a business <coughs> and I look on their website and I see that people are using their pronouns and not just she and she or he, but they and them. I mean, that's what it says, hmm, this company is, tr- is, is in a gentle way trying to, to like, say, hey, there's more than just a black, it's not just black and white. And I think that sometimes when some people will go like, well, what difference does it make? You know, it's like who you are, who you show up 
as, you know, mm-hmm. and and uh, that level of respect. And, you know, I know what you mean. Sometimes it's like you're respect. You're respected and you give respect. You come into the church, you're not trying to run it or, or you know, or whatever. You come in and, and you're a part of it. You're a member of it. You're a member of the community. Right. So what, what has it, been... It's so funny that you say that, but, you know, I... I tell people, you know, I do it because it's in my heart, and I want other people to do it because it's in their heart, not because they want something in return. And that's exactly what I I do is I do it from the heart, um, not expecting anything back, you know. I think often in your heart, you know, most of us, I mean, you don't, in your heart, you are, you want to see the good in people. Fear mm-hmm. sometimes you irrationally see something that you might think is bad, but you want to see the good in something. And you help people really, like, peel back the layers of what's really in their heart. You know, you can see somebody and you see them and it's like, you know, they could even be from another country, another nationality, another race, whatever. And you hear all these things and you sort of maybe put your guard up. But then as you get to know somebody and you see where they're coming from, it helps you be better yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And, so, uh, so good. So you go to the one church in the, uh, first, and then you leave and go to the other one? Yeah, I go right to the other one. Um, actually, I do security at the second one, but I'm also putting myself in position where I can hear the service and, and just be able to just be a part of it. But, um, you know, mostly because that church has an LGBT uh, plus flags out front. So, you know, I don't know, you know, who's coming in um, to maybe possibly do something to to any member in the church because the fact that it is a welcoming church. So I, I uh, you know, I'm very, you know, because I'll do force protection with uh, the United States Veterans Reserve Corps. And um, so... That's why I try to lend my time and talent to be able to make sure uh, people are very much in safety uh, who are attending the church. And so they really and they really like the fact that I'm doing that because you you just never know, <laughs> you know, you never know. You never know. But, but I mean, who would have thought? You know, I mean, we talk about how far we have come, but then you know, in a church that you still have to. We're about having security, and it's not just, you know, that church, but so many churches now, because you see, I mean, that, that it used to be there's certain places that you didn't do certain things, or you'd never expect something to happen in a church. That's supposed to be your safe space. Exactly. But there's outsiders who would come and do, do whatever. Are you, I know you're mindful of safety, but overall, do you feel safe? Um. I I do pretty much now because, I mean, a lot of people don't know that I'm trans. Um, and I hate to use the word pass, passable, but, you know, um, I pass pretty good. Uh, there might be a here or there of somebody that may know that we use the word clock, um, <laughs> you know, knows that I am trans or something. But, you know, I tell people, you know what, if somebody does clock me or know that I'm trans, uh, for those people that don't understand what the word clock is, you know, your listeners, 
um, I carry myself in a way that, you know what, fine, if you want, you know them trans, you're going to say, damn, she carries herself well, <laughs> you know. Um, and I, you know, when I'm out and about, I don't put myself into a situation where I could possibly get hurt. Uh, my head pretty much stays on a, a swivel. Um, I do carry, you know, protection just in case um, and know how to use it. Um, but I, I just am very, very cautious. If I sit on the metro train or something, I'm sitting basically on the side, so I'm seeing people coming into the door or from the back of the train coming up forward. Um, not that I'm staring them down, but I'm just, you know, mm-hmm. my I got my safety on. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that something, I mean, I mean, and that's really pretty, very something simple that people should be aware of their surroundings and what's going on. Is that something that sometimes you share um, when you're talking with other um, that trans, trans women and trans men too, you know, like how to keep yourself safe mm-hmm. out in the world sometimes isn't? Yeah, I absolutely do. It's, um, and it's it's interesting. I mean, my talks are tailored differently, you know, because I may be talking to uh, the medical field. I may be talking to a cisgender community mostly, um, and then we may find out that somebody in the audience uh, has a trans child or may be trans. Um, and then, of course, law enforcement, military. You know, I have different speeches for each one, but I do tailor it to them. But I do broaden it out a little bit about myself and my safety and, and what I do and stuff like that. And, you know, even my safety for me is like that for any woman out there, you know. Um, it's just not just me because, you know, I've had guys make comments, you know, getting trying to get my attention and I totally ignore it or, you know, I'm just ready to protect myself if I have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that it's, it's something I think that, I mean, for women in general, uh, for, for members of the trans community, for women, people who are openly gay, I mean, and you don't have to be like running around in tutu, but it, I mean, you know, if you're in a couple relationship, or even our, some of our elders. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. you hear so many times that you hear about a senior who somebody snuck up on them because they, they weren't aware of their surrounding. So, right. You know, so like you said, like you said like, this can't, doesn't just have to happen to you. It can happen to anybody, and we should all be mindful, you know, instead of being scared of each other, you know. <laughs> right. And it's, it's funny, um, just to tell you how it, it how I expanded. I mean, I asked some people out there, I say, we, do you have a garage at your house? And they'll say, yeah. And I even tell this to my neighbors, and now they, they start thinking differently. I said, do you pull into your garage or do you back into your, your garage? And they say they pull in. I said, you might want to think about backing in because if somebody's hiding around the side of your house and you pull into the garage, and like some people do, they'll press the button once they get in, and now if somebody was around the corner of their house coming in behind them, fall down on the gra- onto the floor of the garage and under their car, now that person is trapped in their house with them, you know. Um, and so I say, yeah, back into your garage because if somebody comes around, you just throw that sucker in drive and run over, <laughs> you know. And, 
they start thinking and go, you know what, that really makes a lot of sense, you know, to be able to to see what might be coming into my house with me, you know. So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, you know what, that makes so much sense, though. It really does, you know. Instead yeah. Of having them trapped in there, in, in, you trapped in there with them, but, you know, it, you see, like, they're running them over. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So what do you like to do? Or fun. <laughs> uh, that's funny that you said that because for the first time last week and I got to go out and just to enjoy myself with a very, very good friend of mine. Um, she's like my sister. Um, her name is Sandy. And um, love her to death. Um, and like I said, she's like my sister. We call each other sisters. Um, and I finally, after about three months or four months, you know, I've gone out. Uh, and I'm here helping uh, take care of my mom, who's 86, my dad, who's 87. Um, wow. And he's at a nursing home, but he's only five minutes away from here, so I can get down there you know, th- two to three times a week rather than once a week when he lived in Virginia. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, you know, my energy has been with them. So finally I got a chance just to go out last weekend just go out and just cut loose. Um, actually went to see a drag show. <laughs> so, um, and matter of fact, this place um, in Virginia, Crystal City, Virginia, is called Freddy's. Um, I actually um, um, had my coming out party there. We had the entire, pretty much the entire front end of the uh, the bar area, and I had like 49 people on that on my coming out party. Um, and it, it was great, you know, to have, you know, family and friends uh, come there. They're not gay or any or lesbian or anything like that, but I felt like this place was a place where I could take, you know, family and friends and feel that they're going to feel comfortable and not have to worry about somebody hitting on them or whatever. So, yeah. And that, that was really great. So I, I do that, go out to maybe a movie or something, or out to dinner. Um, but I really do like to get to the club or something. And, you know, whether I'm sitting there in my chair or in front of my table dancing, you know, um, you know, it's just cutting loose. And But, you know, I have to say one thing, though, what I really like doing, and that's volunteering. Um, yeah. I, I do a lot of volunteer work, and it's so funny because I tell people that I've been infected with a virus and it's called volunteered. And what I'm trying to do what I'm trying to do is infect other people so that they go out and volunteer too. Because you never know. You're you're helping other people out there who aren't fortunate enough to be able to do some of the things that you're doing or need help and that way you're able to do that for them. Uh give them a chance to enjoy life, you know, in any possible way. Uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, your parents. And, I mean, I, I tell people I think it was a really wonderful thing to be that caregiver. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I'm more so like my mother died, and she had been that caregiver. So I got my father, my mother's older sister, and his older sister. But it was particularly with my father to sort of like bring things full circle to where having been, you know, his child, his rebellious child, the child mm-hmm. who wanted to walk all, 
all ties was because I just wasn't right to us coming back to being father and daughter. You know, I wasn't his child. I was his daughter. And there's a way that I was taking care of him. And it, it was like really precious time. What are, what, are you, what are you getting, feeling at this point in your life where now you're there for your parents? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. I mean, like, sometimes I, I get overwhelmed, uh, stressed out because <laughs> I'm trying to do a lot. I mean, I have a brother. He lives in New Jersey, and it's um, and I know when he comes down every every other month or three months, you know, he's a big help with me, with my mom and my dad and stuff like that. But you know, he's got a life up there. He has a job up there, so he's not able to do that. Um, so and then it's funny because today I was talking with a couple of my cousins, and they want to me to know they're here to help me out and stuff like that. And I feel kind of guilty sometimes because I figure they've got their own family to deal with, you know. Um, but it's great uh, that they want to be able to help in, in any kind of way that they can. Um, but I just wish there was, you know, a lot more I could do or should do. Um, I'm not a cook, so it's you know, I can't do any cooking for my mom when she really needs it. You know, I'll go get something here or there, but I'm not a cook. <laughs> um, and I feel guilty about that. My brother, he, he he's a cook. And, you know, when he comes in town, um, he'll fix, you know, some really good meals or whatever, especially my mom likes and stuff. Um, so that helps a lot. Um I guess I should maybe see if I can get some kind of uh, food plan with him and have it ship it, ship it to me. <laughs> that would make her happy. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, that's it. It gets overwhelming, but I, I try. You know, I, I pray to God. I say, Lord, I need your help. You know, um, if I'm sitting up thinking about it, you know, when I'm getting ready to go to sleep, I'll just stop for a minute and I'll say, Lord, I really need the rest. Can you help me go to sleep right now? And within five or ten minutes, I'm gone to sleep, you know. Um, they, You know, the big thing is, you know, God doesn't give us any more than we can handle. Um, and I believe that, but then there's sometimes I'm like, Lord, I need your help, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because I feel like sometimes it is a little bit more than I can handle. And with me doing so many different things, it's really tough to be able to do all the things that I used to do. And I've cut down on some of those things, and I'm just sticking to some of the things I really need to worry about, like speaking um, to the community, to other people, you know, the cisgender community, the law enforcement, military, to get them to understand who we are. And then also um, doing my uh, military thing with the United States Veterans Reserve Corps, um, which I just got promoted from uh, first sergeant to uh, chief warrant officer too. <laughs> so that's oh, congratulations! Been... Thanks, thanks. So um, that's been great for now the last two months, and I'm actually in another uh, division where I'm with division of EEO. So I'll be handling cases um, in other states that have uh, United. Um, United States Veterans Reserve Corps soldiers and just help them uh, or figure out what's going on or take care of other cases uh, as well. 
You know, I mean, uh, that is, that is just, uh, I'm really, I'm so proud of you. You know, but, but even again, I mean, that's just like you said, you know, from going back to the point of time where, you know, people, if you were gay, trans, LGBTQ+, plus, whatever, and going under that don't ask, don't tell, just here you've had a career, you've, uh, you've gotten another promotion. I mean, you're, you're doing it, you know. I mean, that's just like, that is just like amazing. I'm hoping that I can really encourage other trans people out there that, mm-hmm. yes, they can do no matter what lifestyle or, or issues they're having. Uh, don't give up hope. You know, hope mm-hmm. is there. Faith is there. Just trust. Um, and, and it's funny because I was back, I think it was 2015, I was honored in the Platform Magazine as one of the, the one of the 32 women from around the country. Uh, so I take that back around the world for up and coming inspiring females with a platform. So I'm trying to tell other trans people, if you want people to accept who you are, being trans, build yourself a platform. So when you tell other people. That you're transgender, they're they're gonna not, they're not gonna care, you know. Mm-hmm. When I when I came out and told Red Cross um, that I was had something to tell them, they gave me this strange look, like, "What are you gonna tell me?" And I said that I'm, you know, transgender. And the first thing that came out of the director's mouth was, "I thought you were gonna leave the organization." I wow. Got yeah, and so then I go to another group um, that's uh, RSVP, which is Re- uh, Retired Seniors Volunteer Program, um, and I told the director there that I had something to tell them, and they said, what is it? And I said, I'm transgender, and I'm going to be transitioning, you know, full time. And here again, I get the same comment. It was, I thought you were going to leave the organization. And I'm like, did you talk to somebody? But they didn't know each other. And uh-huh. and it was so bizarre that what they cared about was losing me as being a part of their organization and, and making a difference with their group. And I said, you know, that's what I want other trans people to understand and, and to to venture out to let people know you have a platform and that you're valuable to their organization, and you want them to accept you too. And, you know, and like and all the times that we've talked, is you have lived a life of service. You know, so they know what they're getting. You know, they mm-hmm. know who you are. They know, what, they know that, they, that you're the real deal. This is who you are. This is what you're about. And, and I'm sure living the way that you do and, and being of service, having that volunteer bug, nobody didn't want you to leave, you know. You are just, like, invaluable. And I, and seeing that and you being it, it only helped their organization grow, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Well, when you, did you, how did you find out about this recent promotion? Did, was it in the works? Were you surprised by it? Actually. It's funny that you said that. I actually, I wanted to get promoted to uh, command sergeant major because I felt like being a part of the NCO um, is very valuable. We're the ones, well, I shouldn't say we were the ones, but back then when I was uh, 
uh, First Sergeant. I mean, we were the ones that really keep the officers together. You know, we help them out. We, you know, we want them to get it right. And so now that I'm an officer, you know, it's like it's kind of a, it's a different ball game. But um, um, you know, they next thing I know is the colonel said instead of you know going to uh, command sergeant major, he said, "What did you think about you know chief warrant officer?" And I'm like, "Okay," but I felt like you know I was leaving the NCO, which is non-commissioned officer. For those who are um, your listeners that don't know much about the military. Uh, I just felt like I was leaving a, a strong group uh, that I, I felt, you know, really keeps us going as officers. So. Now, so looking forward, it's a new year, and it's a new year. I want to be the first to wish you a happy Valentine's Day, you know. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Year. You've got a new a new position you still got the old things that you're doing. What are you looking forward to in 2024? Um, in 2024, I really, really hope to expand um, teaching and training law enforcement officers um, even more so around the country. Um, it's funny, uh, the area director on the West Coast um, calls me and my partner that I do get generally lately uh, another police officer who's non-binary out there in, in California. She is a um, uh, sergeant for the LA P Police Department and the area director out there calls us the A-team. <laughs> so and I want more of that across the country to be able to know because um, DOJ looks at me as a subject matter expert. I've already been classified as that. So I want to be able to, I would love to be able to just really entrench myself with them um, and just helping law enforcement understand us and, and the trans community understand why law enforcement do what they do um, as far as uh, arrest search searches the trans person understands, hey, you can get, they're going to do the preliminary search on you just for their protection, but when it comes in depth that, you know, you may need to have done, you can request for a female officer or you can request for a male officer to do that search. So it's getting them to understand that. I would like to get in there and, and talk more with the jail um, system because I think that's a big issue because I I um, just finished talking uh, earlier last year that um, there's a trans person in Baltimore, uh, trans woman, who um, she's on medication but was denied her medication. She was put with the male population. She's been raped and assaulted. And this is stuff that has to change um, in that population uh, of the jail system. Why did you stick her with them when... She looks like a woman, you know, and stuff like that, and yet you're treating her, you know, because of she still has her male uh, genitalia, you know? Wow. Wow. But, yeah, but you hear that, you know. It's like mm -hmm. all the time, and, that, and that's a, level, a place where people 
you have to do that education. You know, there's so much for you to do. So if people want to find out about the Butterfly Project, what's mm-hmm. the best way for them to, to reach you about that? They can contact me directly. Uh, just uh, email me at kkholmes, that's H-O-L-M-E-S, at kkholmes.com. Um, and just put on the subject line, uh, the Butterfly Project, and then that way uh, we can get you know them entrenched into it and maybe see about getting it into their area. We also take donations uh, where they can uh, go to uh, the Prince George's County Memorial Library System website and from there put in the search of the Butterfly Project. And once you get there, you can be able to go and make donations uh, directly to the Butterfly Project through the Prince George's County Memorial Library System Foundation. That was one thing I wanted to make sure is when I got connected with Prince George's County that they set up something there as far as a fund or bank account because I didn't want anybody to come by and say, oh, Karen's doing this with the money or Karen's doing that. No, this is going directly to the foundation of Prince George's County. And I wanted to definitely, you know, be transparent about everything. And so I feel very blessed that that was able to get worked out. And um, there you go. Or they can send a check uh, to PGCMLS, which is Prince George's County Memorial Library System Foundation. And on their check, just put the Butterfly Project on the memo line. And then they can mail that check to Greenbelt Branch Library. And that's at 11 Crescent Road. That's C-R-E-S-C-E-N-T Road in Greenbelt, Maryland, 20770. Um, we've got so far like uh, over $4,000 there. Um, so um, we've had some, you know, fundraising and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, uh, people are, are making the donations. Um, some do it in clothes, which right now I, I do have another group that does um, um, Moving for Jesus. She has some brand-new clothes that's got tags still on it. Um, and what she does is she gives the clothes away to the trans community. So there's a place there as well. Um, so if they want to do that, just have them email me, and I can get them connected with, uh, with Ann out there. Mm-hmm. So do you see yourself doing any traveling and speaking, anything on, on your calendar? Actually, in December, I went to uh, Hollywood, California to speak to the Hollywood First Department there. Uh, two months before that, I was down in uh, Oceanside, California, speaking to the Oceanside, California Police Department down there. Next month, I'd be going to Richmond, Virginia, to speak to the Richmond Police Department there. Um, Atlanta wants me to come down there and speak at a, a, a trans conference down there, but they said that their funding is not very good as far as being able to fly me down and, and put me up. I told them I would donate my time to come down there and speak if they could just cover my expenses, you know, like a flight and hotel. Um, that would be great. I'm looking at, like, you know, Let's say I speak on a Saturday. I would fly down on Friday 
speak on Saturday and fly back on Sunday or something, you know. Um, but the thing is, I can't keep putting out money like that uh, to do some of these trips. And they, like I said, they don't have the funds. They would love to have me there. They've already expressed that, but they just don't have the funds to do it right now. So mm -hmm. anything could still possibly happen, but, you know, if somebody does happen to send, you know, me money to go down there and fly down there in a hotel, that would be great. Mm -hmm. What month is that? Uh, I want to say September, August or September. I want to say September, but it's one of those two. Because mm -hmm. I know one or two people in, in Atlanta. I, you know, I'll have to see maybe they can figure something out, you know, because it's right. often that the people – they they have to sometimes they have to be creative. Uh, right. Sometimes like they would even have like I've had organizations where it's like where you come in on Friday and they have like a meet you know meet caring you know and where people would make a contribution to do that you'd come in you know and that would go to offset the cost. So there's often ways to creatively come up with that. So we're right. gonna work on that because <laughs> uh, I could see you in it. I could see you doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I tell people, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, I do a lot of speaking pro bono, um, but usually, like, if somebody says, "Hey, how much would you charge?" I look at that when they ask that question, then I say, "Okay, this is God's hand in this one," you know, and then I'll give them, a, you know, pretty decent amount, you know, for how much it is, you know, and I don't want to. You know, you got to take in consideration if it's a, a church organization or a nonprofit organization. You know, I'm not going to charge them nearly as much as I might try to charge, you know, maybe the government or a corporation. And even then, I'm not going to be greedy. I figure, you know what, I wasn't going to get paid at first. <laughs> you know, um, I'm just going to mostly because I want to help the trans community. That's my goal. You know, sometimes when I'm talking with an organization, I'll even ask them, do you have what do you have in your budget for them? And sometimes they haven't even thought about that. And then you know mm -hmm. we have another conversation. Well, let's how do we together work to make this happen to where not only do I come, but we can help your organization. But you know right. I think it would be great like if people like you, like me, people who do that public speaking who are going on around because you say like sometimes you can do it for pro bono, but sometimes you know you just don't have it. Or or how do you come up with a sliding I think it'd be great if, like, some point in time that we all get together and sort of, like, brainstorm and mm -hmm. then sort of put that out, you know, to help people. To help right. People. Yeah. Well, Karen. Hey, yeah, before we go, can I do read this one thing I was going to do real quick? Um, when, I did the, when I did the TED Talk um, in 2018, uh, the director there at TEDx Ashbury Park, New Jersey, wanted to get the past uh, speakers on to do a one-minute um, talk, and it was about treat, how to treat others. And so I did mine uh, under one minute. Um, it's almost a minute, but, it, you know, I did it in that time frame, and there were so many other people that just couldn't do it. And so what I'd like to do is read it to your listeners and, and – um, Hopefully this will be something that they'll be able to understand and be blessed with. But the title of it was Respecting Each Other. 
Treat others as you wish to be treated is not just a cliche. It's the golden rule in life. I have feelings, a mind and a heart who serves and cares for others. I am a human being and wish to be treated as one. Like you would treat your mother, father, children, siblings, and friends. Just like you treat them with respect, I too want to be treated with respect. The only difference between them and me, I am a transgender woman. One who works for the federal government now for 22 and a half years. A military veteran who was given the honor as Soldier of the Year by the State Guard Association of the United States in 2013. So please, treat me as you would like to be treated. It's the golden rule and the right thing to do. That's right. You know, I mean, that's almost like a prayer. You want to say amen to that. But here, <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, we were talking earlier, and I think that now that it's over, I think that there's some of the things that I think that the pandemic has, like, in some way made some of us isolated, but also make you value things. And one of the things that I value are my conversations with people like you. I mean, I think of you as a friend. I think of you as someone who I touch base with, not as often as I should, but I'm going to work on it. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. I want, to, I want to learn more about the Butterfly Project and, and see if there's ways that I can, I can help you and get ideas from you to help me. Uh, but I want to thank you for taking this time with me tonight. Um, I hope you stay well. Hug your mom. Hug your dad for me. You know, I always tell people that because... It's such a blessing to be able to still have them around, you know. Right. Okay. So you have them both for me, and I want you to stay well and stay safe. And I look forward to talking to you again real soon. All right. Well, thank you. And uh, to your listeners, have a good night and be safe out there. I want to thank my guest, Karen Kendra Holmes. Being of service has been at the core of her life's work. She continues to make history with her service in the military, where she was recognized twice as Soldier of the Year by the State Guard Association of the United States and the Maryland State Guard Association. It's an honor to recognize her during Black History Month. We'll be back next week with more interviews and individuals living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change. You can support Collections by Michelle Brown Blog Radio by following on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or becoming a monthly supporter on Patreon.com. Current and past issues of a show can be heard on SoundCloud iTunes, Stitcher, or Blog Talk Radio. Stay tuned as we continue to introduce you to more amazing individuals living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change. Right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Thank you for listening.